Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear up the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you all the same. It's an exciting day. I'm going to get right to the co-host today. The NBA Outsiders are here. The NBA preseason starts on Friday. Yo, that's crazy to me. And that's why we're back, better than ever, ready to talk hoops with the starting five. We got the whole five here. And I'll start first and foremost with John Lucas Duffy. What's up, brother? It's been a minute. It's good to be back. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. I got the whole squad here. Literally the starting five. I love that we have that. Also, including Frank Villani, of course. What's up, dog? What's going on, Pete? You know, it is. It's basketball season. Can you believe it? I cannot. Kyle Anderson, can you believe that it's basketball season? What's up? Can't believe it's basketball season, man. It's already here. But uh, you know, man, it's it's all good though. It's it's holiday season. Giants are playing well. What can go wrong in this pod, man? We're we're gonna kill it. I'm I'm excited. I'm glad you caveated to in this pod because you said the Giants are playing well. What could go wrong? Uh, we could have a whole different Listen. pod about what can go wrong there because hey, <laughs> things could go wrong. Listen, baby. <laughs> Listen, baby. Hey, this is all gravy, bro. We weren't supposed to be good, and I saw it from week one. I just knew. I just knew, man. We're yeah, flying around. I was a flying around. It's true. I, I and remember that much. I, I feel bad because every time we go in this order, I go from who's been here the first to second to third, and unfortunately, Andrew Andrew Duffy, who is fourth on the list of when you join the pod, you never get in by the music. The music. I got to extend the music for the starting five episodes. Andrew Duffy, what's up? I'm back. It's okay. I'm usually forgotten about. <laughs> it's it's fine. I'm ready. Just I'm, this is my comfort zone, you know. Just wait and then pop in when it's time. <laughs> I'm trying to think of which team. I, that's kind of honestly like like the Heat this year. The Heat were just doing Heat culture stuff. Not exactly being quiet because Jimmy Butler. That's the opposite of Jimmy Butler. But just kind of hanging around, waiting for a moment to strike, and then boy, did they! Now we don't know if they can do that the again. The Blazers, like the Blazers, when they jumped into the playoffs at the last second, right? There was like all year, no one cared, no one, no one was putting Dame Lillard in the forefront besides what he was doing. Andrew, maybe you are the Dame Lillard of this podcast. Is that something that could might might interest you? I think so. I like Dame. There He's go. pretty badass. Right. Right? There was a pause there. I was like, how do you not like Dame? I feel like Dame has probably a top three approval rating in the NBA. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I think it's Clay Thompson. Dame Lillard and I said top three to give myself some space in case there's someone else I forgot. Sure, Adam Silver, Boban, 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 <laughs> Boban. No, yeah. that's, that's a good one. Everybody yeah, loves Boban. That's that's the right one. That's just the right one. Everybody Boban loves Boban. Well, yeah. that's great stuff. Approval rating of the NBA Outsiders, hopefully by you guys, is five stars. If you like what you've been hearing, or if you like what you hear as this episode goes on, go to Apple Podcasts, drop in a review. I don't ask like more than once or twice an episode. I feel like I hate asking for that, but it really does help a lot, and it means so much to us. And as we embark on another NBA season, where this will be like the sixth year in a row, Duffy and I will be talking basketball on this podcast, or this iteration of the podcast, a couple years of the NBA Outsiders now, maybe three it's awesome, and I hopefully you guys are enjoying it. We got a great season ahead of us. Hopefully, 
Obviously, there are some COVID implications that can make it a little weird. We're gonna we're gonna hope that doesn't happen. We're gonna hope they do their best uh, to to keep that down. Hopefully, they learn from the mistakes of MLB and ho- learn from the mistakes of NFL, and they could uh, really make it seamless and successful. So, for the you know exercise of this podcast, we're not gonna mention it again, really, right? You know, we'll mention it in passing, like, oh, you know, this team's probably projected to be a ten seed, but you never know, COVID injuries, boom, they're an eight seed. That's about it because there's a lot of unknown and uh, we could really only handle what we can handle. We can control what we can control and that is spitting hot fire takes about this NBA league right now. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with a big piece of news or at least a big piece of brewing news, something that didn't happen yet, but something in the works uh, and that has to do a lot with James Harden and the Rockets and then we're going to bou- uh, bounce around the league. We're going to get to know a lot of these new teams, give a little tier ranking that our guy John Lucas Duffy, Duffy cooked up and talk about the most interesting teams in the league, really. Everybody ready with that? Everyone feel good? Everyone ready to go? I think it's time to talk about James Harden and talk about the Houston Rockets. Now, the way I want to talk about this specific instance, at least from the first perspective here, is in regards to what is supposed to happen when a star says they're unhappy. Because we're reaching this point in the NBA where a star says they're unhappy, and it's like, oh, well, they have to be traded. They don't want to be here, so let's get rid of them even if we get 50 cents on the dollar or we get four quarters, which, you know, equals a dollar, but it doesn't really equal the output of an NBA star. And here we are again. James Harden, who has asked a lot of Houston and given a lot to Houston, is now done. He wanted Chris Paul, then he wanted Chris Paul gone. He wanted Russell Westbrook, and then they didn't want to play together. What the hell is going on? But with all this comes a point where, well, can this actually help the Rockets? History would say trading a star almost never helps the team that made the trade. Now, if you look at New Orleans and what they got for Anthony Davis, maybe you can make an argument. If you look at Oklahoma City and you project the next five years for them, seven years for them, maybe you can make an argument. I don't know. But our leagues, our team is supposed to just roll over when a star is unhappy. It becomes a difficult place to land when you say you're a pro player, you want your players to get paid, but if they just puppet every single team and go wherever the hell they want, it starts to really hurt a lot of franchises as well. So Duffy, because John Lucas Duffy, because your team, the Philadelphia 76ers, perhaps may be one of the leaders in the rumors to trade for James Harden, I'm going to let you go first here. When you hear about this, now James Harden wants out of Houston, and Houston, you know he didn't have a say with the coach, so now he's over it, or the, the roster isn't what it, he needs it to be anymore, so he's over it. And then you hear the Sixers mentioned in talks for the trade, same with the Brooklyn Nets. Is that a guy you even want? Forget about play style right now. We'll get to that. A guy who is just like, eh, I'm done with Houston. Move me to the next one. Is that a guy you even want? How do you feel about it as a Sixers fan? I mean, you laid it out very well in your uh, Mike Lupica-esque sports reporters Sunday edition show. Ooh, I'll take that as a on comment. Shout My out. guy, Lupica. Great show. Yeah, Great so... Show. He's 33 years old. Or No, I'm sorry. By the end of this contract, he's got two years left plus an option for a third year. So two, two more years, he'll be 33, and then he's going to want, you know, the Supermax extension wherever he gets traded to. Um, and he'll, he'll be probably worth it. But as a Sixers fan, I would rather keep I, – and I've been thinking about this, like, so much since, since Harden had requested his trade. Or demanded essentially. Um, I would rather keep Ben Simmons because he's like 
we've been talking about Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Does it work? Does it not work? When are they going to figure this out? Or is it time to move on? Ben Simmons is 24 years old. So what I don't understand what kind of the rush is. You know, when I when I really, every time I, I feel like I'm getting all in my feelings about uh, Simmons and and Embiid, uh, and, and about what the Sixers should do with them, I always come back to their ages. And I'm like, why are we always rushing? We're always rushing. And maybe this year, you know, I, I've said previously, we're probably like a year behind. Um, but I, I would rather keep Ben Simmons than trade for James Harden. Like you said, he, he's he's gotten to play with the players he wanted to play with. Then they they grew tired of each other, moved on, Chris Paul, Westbrook. And James Harden just seems like maybe things have gone stale. Like we hear this with coaches all the time. You know, maybe you just need a new voice in the locker room. They just need the players just need to see something different. Maybe James Harden feels that way about Houston. He's like, I've done what I could do here. I had the perfect situation, D'Antoni and Maury. You know, we had the the all star teammates, the all NBA teammates. We couldn't get over the greatest team possibly of all time in the Warriors. And now it just seems like it's fizzled out and we do what we can do and it's time to move on and this city and this organization probably can't put championship pieces around me again. So for that perspective, I understand it. But um, as a Sixers fan, and this is where I'll, I'll leave it, as a Sixers fan, I would rather keep Ben Simmons as a 24-year-old with, I think, four or five years left on his contract. Which is an interesting place for you to land because I remember a podcast. It's actually a clip on our Instagram at Subway Sports Talk where you go on your Sixers rant. It was an epic Sixers rant. It was great. And you went and on to say, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid just don't fit. If you look at the Raptors, you look at the Mavericks, they move the ball. Everything looks great. They get open shots. I think Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet could be better paired with Joel Embiid. I think Kristaps Porzingis can be better paired with Ben Simmons. And you say not none of those players are better than Ben or Joel individually, but the fit is just better. In theory, James Harden in that spot could be better, but then there's a bad taste in your mouth and a timeline that gets changed to make it feel all sorts of weird. James Harden is a is a bit of a different case because he is so ball dominant and I don't think the people around him necessarily enjoy playing with him because it's kind of just go stand in the corner. I mean, think about how the teams he's been on have valued centers and the way he's used centers. It's just been click Capella rim running, rim rim running and then all of a sudden Capella is like he's gone and this and the Rockets don't even have a center. So him and Embiid I don't know how that would gel particularly well, but as let's say he comes to the Sixers, they don't win a championship, but they make it to some Eastern Conference finals. Maybe they make it to a finals and lose, and then he's 33 years old, and he says, I want a super max extension. The, the type of guy who's not showing up to training camp, who's showing up at the club and during a pandemic, not wearing a mask, just like kind of balling out, has a reputation for always hitting up bars and clubs and strip clubs all hours of the night doing, you know, God knows what, I mean, that's not someone who's 33 years old. I don't, I don't have like a problem with that lifestyle per se, but just from an athlete's perspective, if you're 33 years old and we're going to have you under contract, you know, my franchise is going to have you under contract for until you're 38. I don't see him being worth 45 or $50 million, whatever it ends up being when he's 37, 38 years old, like a LeBron James, who is like, so militant about the way he takes care of his body. That's what makes me really nervous in the long run is what if James Harden brand of basketball is just not championship brand of basketball? You know, they got close. They didn't make it. 
maybe that was the ceiling. And that's kind of what I get nervous about. I think because Simmons is younger, it gives me more hope. And also what I said previously was more of an indictment on the coaching and just the organization in general. Right. Duff, are you, are you like curious to see what Doc Rivers is going to do with this squad? So you're like not like necessarily ready to jump into a trade per se? Like are you, are you kind of like curious to see like what he would do with Ben and Embiid before you're like abort, like total abort mission? Yes, that's 100% that's part point. of it. Also, I think the fact that there's more shooting on this team is, this year is, also makes it way more interesting with Danny Green, Seth Curry, hopefully Frick on Korkmaz is better. I don't know. You know, <laughs> just from shooting perspective, same thing with Shake Milton and Tobias Harris. I would. Okay. Uh, really Tobias Harris gets brought up. He, uh, we're not doing Sixers hour yet. We're not there yet. No, no, no. I hope he shoots yeah, better. Just hope he shoots. Yeah, I hope he does a lot. I hope he. I hope he actually think stands. That collective of shooting is hopefully better. And to answer Kyle's question, I feel like we're a year behind. Like the Sixers are a year behind from where I wanted them to oh, be. Like God, that's all. Yeah, I'm answering. He asked me a question. <laughs> I was ready to be done. He I, asked it. Me. I was curious. Uh, no, oh, you're no. done. That's it. You're done. You're uh, done. It was a good question by Kyle, though. I'll give. I'll give you that. I gave my answer. You guys asked me follow-ups. I don't know. And then you <laughs> yell at me for talking. What, like, <laughs> this is entrapment. This is This is unrelated to my Kyle's fault. question, but you, you kind of... gas on the fire. <laughs> in your previous statement, you kind of answered the question, like answered the, or you, you kind of laid out the problem. Like there's no, there's no doubt James Harden is an all-world, once-in-a-generation or a lifetime or an NBA lifetime. Certainly better offensive than right now. Right. No doubt. But you know what James Harden is. Like, he might have a next level theoretically, but you're not, you've never seen it. You've never seen that next step. And to me, that next step is pulling his own weight defensively to a certain degree, you know, to a minimum level. And then also bringing that leadership, right? He He's clearly uh, a type of alpha, but he likes to surround himself with guys who are like the vocal alphas, right? Chris Paul. Russell Westbrook, some of these other type of players. Harden is not that guy. To me, he's similar to Carmelo, right? Carmelo Anthony was unquestionably a ridiculous talent, a dude you'd want on your team, but he was not your Batman, right? He was more of your Robin because he couldn't he couldn't elevate the, the guys around him. And yes, Harden does do that better than Carmelo, in my personal opinion, but I'm not quite sure he can take that team to the next level. When you have Joel Embiid and other guys, and that team is still kind of forming... I'm not quite sure I'd want to throw him into the fire. If I was a 76ers fan, I would want to see what Simmons could become and just kind of, I know it's a long way out, especially if he doesn't ever develop a 17 plus foot uh, jump shot. That's respectable. But that what if ceiling is just really enticing and something I'd, I'd want to, I'd almost want to gamble on. Cause like you said, Harden's already, you know, 30 years old or 31 also- years old. Also, what's the risk? He's got two years left on his contract with a player option for a third if he wants to pick that up. So if I'm the Sixers, why am I why am I gonna do it before the seed why am I gonna make this trade before the season even starts? Like right. this I don't want to I don't want James Harden on my team on, on December twenty second. This guy was just he's not he barely reported to training camp, you know, just like yesterday. And he's he's got to pass like COVID protocol. He's not going to start practicing until like next week. Yeah, and that's why Kyle's question was perfect. Like, do you want to see how it looks with Doc Rivers and the new pieces before you pull the trigger? Because realistically, you know, th- these trade options aren't going to go completely away. They may change a little bit. Maybe some new ones will open up. So if you're the Rockets, I feel like there's a chance sitting tight and saying, okay, we can still be a playoff team if James is doing what he has to do. And you know, if he comes out looking like a bum, 
uh, that's probably worst case scenario for everybody, except maybe the the Nets or Sixers who get him on the cheap. But that still doesn't seem like it because we know how good that guy is. Now, Frank, I want to ask you this question and the last thing on Harden before we move on to our uh, around the league segment here. The Brooklyn Nets are the other team brought up in this equation, uh, often at least. You know, there's just a couple other smaller teams that may have a chance at James Harden to put enough together to get him, but then they're afraid he will not resign. So you hear Brooklyn Nets, Frank, and you hear um, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and then the trade would include stuff like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Picks, or J- Jared Allen and whatnot. Does that excite you in any way? Not not as just a fan of, of the Nets, but as a fan of basketball. Th- does that seem like a train wreck waiting to happen, or does that seem like it could be one of the more exciting teams we've ever, ever seen? I think it kind of like fits the mold of the way the NBA has been trending. Like, you know, superstars teaming up, trying to create super teams. And in that aspect, uh, I guess I kind of didn't really like appreciate the Warriors at their height when we had them. Like it was kind of cool to have the bad guy, you know, like they get everyone's best shot every night and whatever. So I do think it could be good for basketball, but I have my reservations about it because that's like egomaniac city in Brooklyn <laughs> with with Harden, uh, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. And I know like people hate the there's only one ball argument. I hate it too, but you know it's it's somewhat rooted in truth. I mean, those are three guys who like to pound the rock a lot. So yeah, it um, it just seems it seems too idealistic, right? Like it seems like oh, really is this actually two K? Are we living in a simulation now? Because now there's it's like one of those things like you have to do it if you're the Nets, right? Because like it automatically will put you on a pedestal and like it puts the ex- expectations that much higher. Like that's a that's a team that wins the finals, right? As opposed to like right now, you'd say they're probably two or three or four to the Lakers. So like ideally, yeah, you have to make that trade if you're the Nets, but. And we shall see, I guess, right? We shall see. I got one question for you guys. Yeah. All, like the most in- interesting trade I've heard about regarding uh, the Nets and James Harden. And I want to just kind of take everyone's temperature in the room about what, what they think about this trade. Um, let's say, the, you know, obviously Harden wants to go to the, uh, the Nets. So, Pete, if I'm, I'm, the, I'm the general manager of the Rockets – you're the Nets. I call you up. I say, I'll trade you James Harden, but I want Kyrie Irving. Oh, what? Yeah, it makes it so much yeah. easier. That makes it so much easier. I don't know why if the Rockets... Would you do that? Yes. Yeah. If I'm the Nets, that makes it easier to do. But what about KD, what about KD and Kyrie? They were supposed to be the package deal. Are you going to um, sour KD now? Uh, well, yeah, well yeah, first KD's of all, the, yeah, the first thing you obviously. do is say, hold on, I'm calling Kevin Durant right now to make sure that's okay. I'll uh, shoot a text message to Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni to make sure it's okay. But if Kevin Durant says it's good, then it's good. That's how it goes. If Kevin Durant's like, you know what? Kyrie was my guy, but uh, this is a good basketball move for us, then it's over. You make the move. You do it. I don't think Houston would do that, though. Why would that's, Houston? That's, why Kyrie, not? Kyrie, why wouldn't Houston? Kyrie Irving would like quit basketball and say he doesn't need it anymore. Like I don't know. I feel I, I, he would just be like, "Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go to. I gotta go to Houston and play with John Wall. You know, I really don't like red, so like that makes me feel angry. So I'm I'm done. Like, and I don't want to talk to the media about it either. Like that's what's serious, gonna, que- 
That's a good right. serious question, though, right? He's on a media blackout, so would he even find out about the trade? Like, how would he know whether or not it was true, right? Like, he true. wouldn't even be able to fact check it because he would just refuse to talk to anyone about it. He shows up to he the would... training facility in Brooklyn. Is like, why is my card not working? Like, what's good? No, this is this is this is this is less real than the dinosaurs. This is bullshit. <laughs> I wasn't traded. We... KD KD's just sitting in the locker room alone, and he's like. Kyrie, we need to talk. <laughs> I have I have something to tell you. You're going to Houston. If KD did that on top of going to uh, Golden State, he would be like the ultimate villain the of our snake, generation. The biggest snake in sports snake. history. The snakiest snake that's ever snaked. I, I would have I would have KD's back on it. I would take KD's side. I would say this man just had. That's the right thing to do for basketball. This again, man, like again, from a basketball perspective, can't argue it. Kevin Kevin Durant has the gumption. How about that word? The gumption to mm. do what so many other people are afraid to do. And everyone said, "Oh, he took the easy way out." That guy made the hardest decision for a human being to go to the Warriors. For a human being, not for a basketball player, obviously, but for a human being, the amount of crap that he got and will forever get make him tough in my eyes. I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's how I feel about it. Anyways, I digress. Uh, interesting stuff on James Harden and that trade situation. Will will the Rockets give in and just take any any trade before the season starts, or do they roll it out? Because re- in reality, we haven't mentioned this yet. John Wall is in Houston. There is reports and videos that show him at a level of athleticism that is favorable to him being a good NBA player again. But with uh, the amount of injuries he's had over the past two years, you obviously don't want to hang your hat on it. Um, but that team can be frisky still. If James Harden's playing like James Harden, John Wall looks pretty solid. They just grabbed Christian Wood, and we're going to get into a breakdown of a bunch of teams, but I'll just say while we're here, you know, they still got a couple guys on the on the bench. They're not a great team by any means. They're not a deep team by any means, but they're still a playoff caliber team if those two or three guys, P.J. Tucker included, four guys, you know, play their best ball. So, you know, if there's a James Harden trade, there'll be an emergency pod, or at least uh, our regularly scheduled pod will cover it as best we can. So we will see what happens on that front. Real quick, um, hey, yeah, what up, Kyle? You know who they, you know who they regret trading right now is probably Clint Clint Capella that they have John Wall and no bigs. Like, imagine him and Clint Capella, like old Clint Capella, like running pick and roll. They would have a fight. They would they would fight for like a seven seed right now. But now they have zero bigs and no one that can shoot, you know, if Harden yeah. isn't around. Yeah, you well, know? and Eric Gordon apparently still loves to bad. shoot, but he can't shoot anymore. Christian Wood, you know, right. we'll see what he can do after his big contract. DeMarcus Cousins as well. But I agree. It would have been nice to have a real rim runner for John Wall. Isn't Wait, yeah. didn't Cousins sign with the with the Rockets? Yeah, that's what I just said. Did I not say that? Yeah, okay. he did. Yeah, yes. he's, he's with them. I'm just saying, we'll see how he looks post-injury and whatnot. Uh, I also I don't know if I agree with everyone saying like they're not a playoff team. I mean, if James Harden's on that team, to me they're they're oh, if Harden's a on the team. Yeah, I think Harden's they're going. Yeah. They're go- they're going. Yeah. Interesting. Which we'll get to in the next segment, Pete. Exactly. If we ever get there, guys. If we ever great get segue. There. Teaser. Great segue. Uh, Teaser. Teaser. Well, it's time to moisten everyone's NBA palates. Oh. My oh. God, that so moist. Oh, that, that was a lot. <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> well, no matter if you mm-hmm. like it or not, your NBA palate's getting moistened in the next 40 minutes. I can guarantee it because there's a lot yeah. to talk about in this league right now. A lot of new faces and new places or faces in new places, and uh, it's, it's damned exciting. So the way we're going to break this out, obviously we're not going to talk about every single team right now, but we're going to talk about a bunch 
Uh, we will have our over-under picks in the future, even though they're a little weird with the 72-game season. It's time to to just to just get it, you know, to un- start understanding who these rosters are, which teams are the most interesting, who's taking a big leap, who's falling off. And the way we will do that is by going through John Lucas Duffy's tiers of teams and talk about the ones that we find most interesting. Uh, as long as you obviously included the Knicks as most interesting. Did you, Duff? Uh, I had them in the yikes. They're in a (laughs) standalone category with only the Bulls. Bruh. Oh, that's it. The Cavaliers, actually. Yeah. I didn't see It's actually worse than that. Oh, man. Well, the yikes tier is not a tier you want to be. But, hey, we will talk about the Knicks, whether you like it or not. It's my show. Damn it. Damn right, Pete. Yeah, me, Kyle, and I Frank. I have them ranked number one in their tier. <laughs> in their tier? Is it a tier of one, the last tier? <laughs> tier of uh, one of two. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I hand over the reins to J. Lou over there. Uh, take us on this tier journey through the NBA. Why don't you? Yeah, so I just broke it down into some tiers. Number w- one tier being the favorite is one team. And then contenders, playoff locks, playoff hopefuls. Uh, no man's land kind of teams that aren't sure what they're what they're really doing right now. Uh, the bad but not hopeless teams and the yikes teams. Um, Wait, let me ask so you start, real quick before you get yeah. into the teams. Did you make these categories yourself? Uh, some of them I did. Some of them I got from the Ringer. Shout out! I love that. It's a great way to put these teams together. I also all the ones that were good were uh, mine. So <laughs> <laughs> all the ones you didn't like were the Ringer. All right, fantastic. Uh, so Continue. Go. I'm going to kick it off here. The favorite is it's only one team in this category, and it's the Lakers. They still got LeBron. They still got AD. They added Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Wesley Matthews, and Marcus Gasol this offseason where they're notable pickups. Uh, the one being most shocking, uh, Harrell just walking across the hallway in Staples Center. But this team, uh, they won the championship last year. They still got LeBron James. He's still in his prime until I see evidence uh, otherwise. And Anthony Davis, hopefully at 27, is just going to keep getting better. So that's who I got as the favorite. I don't know if you guys have anything to add or any uh, any any uh, quarrels with that. Qualms. No quarrels, just a comment. Uh, they got better after being the best. And most importantly... They got regular season deeper in this weird season for LeBron and AD to like kind of chill out. But I think that's all that needs to be said. It's not really anything groundbreaking. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that they now have depth. Like you can say, oh, Markeith Morris doesn't have to play 30 minutes every night. Like he can get away with playing 18 because there's a bunch of other dudes. That's a great win. So that's all. Thank I God. Say. Yeah. They're also they, younger, dude. Yeah, 100% younger, regular season, definitely going to help. In the playoffs, you know, I don't know that Schroeder will be an upgrade over Rondo in the playoffs because Rondo's been there, done that so many times. But uh, we'll see. But for right now, they're certainly the favorite. Um, Next up, we got in the contenders category, we have, this is no particular order, the Celtics, Nets, Mavs, Nuggets, Clippers, Heat, Bucks, and Sixers. Uh, so off the bat, anyone, anything jump out and is a surprise to any of you guys or what? Um, yes, I have, I have, uh, I have one and a half. <clears throat> one, it has to do with somebody in this group. And then I have one to do with a playoff lock, not the next category, not being in this group, but I'll start with this group. I think you have the Mavs too high. I, um, I love Luka Doncic as much as the next guy, perhaps more than the next guy. And I think their team, no matter who is there really, with uh, 
Rick Carlisle at the helm, they will play a style of basketball that leads to success, especially on the offensive side. So, yes, I think they're very good. I think Luka is the favorite for MVP for a reason right now. I already locked in a a few shekels on him to win MVP. But to put them at a contender status, I think, is just too premature. We need to see Kristaps Porzingis healthy. We need to see if Josh Richardson looks like a real basketball player again or if he looks like Philly Josh Richardson. Dwight Powell, where, where is he coming back from that injury? So there's questions here. And uh, they also lost Seth Curry, which was a huge part, a huge part of that team. And I know Tyrell Terry seems like the perfect replacement for Seth Curry, but let's see the guy play some NBA basketball before we get too hyped. I think this is a little bit too rambunctious for the Mavericks. I think I had him in here because I think Luke is just going to keep getting better. I mean, he was he was first team All-NBA, I believe. I believe he was first team. And... He was basically putting up James Harden stats without the James Harden shot. Like he he was trying to shoot the step back threes, nowhere near as efficient. He really hasn't even put it together from from long distance yet. So I think he himself could make up for the lack of Seth Curry on the perimeter. Um that's just my personal opinion. Anyone else got any issues with the contenders or something else they want to throw out there? I think uh what's really interesting is you can you can see where where any of these teams go like supernova and they can rip off a ridiculous regular season and 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 playoffs and win it but you can also see where they really just crumble right you go right down the list like the celtics and kemba walker his health is tatum and brown going to continue to make steps right the nets kyrie and kd are they going to stay healthy are they going to gel does steve nash know what the hell he's doing right the mavs you just went through them the Nuggets, are they going to be as hot as they were last year? You know, was that a fluke? Did they get lucky, right? If the Jazz make that shot, they're never advancing. We don't think they're contenders. We think they're pretenders. The Clippers, is Paul George real? Uh, you know, or is Paul George going to get back to who he was? Or are the Clippers just pretenders as well? The Heat, flash in the pan, pop, possibly, whatever. The whole thing, my point is, like, this is still LeBron's league, Right. It's still LeBron and then everyone else, and somebody's got to get hot or figure it out, which I find just very interesting because the dude is, what, like 35 years old, but he's still a force, and we're still waiting for those next guys to really take a step, and this this could be the year, right? It's a short season, uh, quick turnaround. You know, if anyone's body's equipped to LeBron, but – like we always say, is this the year that he is going to slow down a little bit? And this could be a year where somebody takes the next step and, and he gets passed. Yeah. I, I That's a wonderful point, Andrew. Like yeah. going through all those teams, like there is boom bust potential on every single one of them. You can make an argument mm-hmm. for each of them to be in the finals. You can make an argument for each of them to be like a six seed, which is kind of crazy for them to be the contender level. I actually do want to ask Kyle a specific question um, just because of, your takes on the pod last season about this team and some of the players. I want to talk to you about the Celtics. I know Jason Tatum was a guy who you valued very high when we did our top list of top 25 players. You had him the highest of any any of us, right? So you look at this, and let's assume if, if Kemba Walker is not healthy, just for the argument's sake, that he'll be healthy in a month, right? Or like in you know 12 games or whatever it may be. Like Describe the path for me for the Celtics to get back to, or to get to, not get back to, to get to, like, number one in the East, you know, favorite to make the finals? Kemba's going to have to have um, some of the seasons that he used to have with the Hornets. And not necessarily, you know, uh, 25 a game and stuff. 
what I think he's got to step up is, you know, be that third guy. He's he's the X factor of that team, in in my opinion. You know, you know what you're going to get from Tatum. For the most part, you know what you're going to get from Brown. All right, but it's it's Tate. I mean, it, I'm sorry, it's uh Campbell Walker. You know, can he give you consistent production every single night? And also, in a sense, kind of from Brown also. You know, that Brown had some spells last year where, you know, you wouldn't know if he was going to give you, you know, 20 a night. You know, there would be some nights he's on the court, and then other nights there's like, dude, like, what is up with him right now? You know, but if he can kind of take the next step, because he has the potential to do so. You know, what is he, 21, 22 years old? You know, he's he's still really young. And if he can kind of be Tatum's Robin and not, you know, he's not going to give the same as, amount of production as as, uh, as Tatum. But if he can, like, just be a step below Tatum and then obviously Kemba can just be consistent, this is a really tough team, you know, to beat in the East. And, you know, of, of all the teams, you know, in the Eastern Conference besides – I mean the Heat and the Bucks. I mean that's that's this is the next team that I see that is going to be a problem. You know, obviously the Nets are going to be you know, just talent wise. We have to see, but it just first, not right? knowing, yeah. right? Yeah, not knowing what you're going to get from from uh, KD healthy this year or uh, or Nash. You know, as a coach, you know w- what we're going to see from that. The three things that we do know that we're going to get is probably those are probably the you know potentially the top three teams in the East to start the season, you know? Yeah. So, so it, it sounds it's, like it's, to me, oh, it's, go ahead. It's, it's, you know, they're, they're in the same spot that they were the past couple of years. It's just, if certain guys kind of take their game to the next level. So it, it sounds like to me, you're chalking up Tatum as a superstar and you're saying Kemba and Brown have to do their part. And obviously, you know, the rest of the team, that being uh Marcus smart, Tice, Tristan Thompson, which is a nice get for them. Grant Williams has to become better. They have two rookies who are interesting. Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. Uh, but let me tell you this. If I told you that Jason Tatum has like the 10th best odds to win MVP at plus 2,600, only behind Luka, Giannis, AD, Curry, Harden, Durant, LeBron, Lillard, Kawhi, and then Jason Tatum. To me, I'm looking at the odds and I'm saying, okay, Kawhi doesn't play enough. LeBron's not going to play enough. Andy Davis not going to play enough. We really think Steph is going to get it. Like, I don't know. Giannis is not winning three in a row. I'll chalk that up right now. Luka is the favorite, but will the Mavs be good enough? What about Jason Tatum as a sneaky MVP candidate? Too aggressive or good good value? I like that because I don't think Durant will be good enough to get it either. You're right, Duff. No, go ahead, Duff. You're right. I I just think coming off the injury, that's just not something that I'm not putting putting money on that. You know, like that his odds are that high, I found. I mean, not surprising because I guess he's Kevin Durant, but that's another person I would put on the list as as like, I, I would cross him off the list. See, I would keep yeah, I would keep Kevin Durant love on the story, the comeback story. I'm with Frank. I would yeah, keep that's true, honestly just, that same thing for Curry. I would I would put Curry higher than both of them. If Curry is carries the Warriors to like a top seed in the West without without his partner in crime, like that's that's a that's a legitimate storyline for the media to run with. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. Darling. Now, somebody, somebody jump in. I don't care who it is. Somebody explain to me how Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant operate on the same basketball court, you know, properly with the likes of, uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert needing to do some things for this team to be good as well. I don't think they ever run into trouble when it comes to on the court. 
like when it comes to playing, that's when those two guys shine the most. It's all the other stuff. That's what you got to worry about to, for me. Like when it, on, on the basketball court, I don't worry about them. If they were to get Harden, I wouldn't worry about that on the court either. It's all the off the court noise that always gets in the way. And like we make fun of Kyrie for doing the media blackout stuff, but I actually think that'll be good for him. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree. Um, I mean, specifically offensively, they are two incredibly creative and incredibly like off the cuff kind of guys. So beyond having like a system, I think they could probably just get buckets working off each other naturally like they do. Uh, I get my my question would be defense. I mean, we've seen Durant do some cool stuff when he was at Golden State defensively, but um never you can't you can't really say the same for Kyrie so I kind of worry about them on that end of the the court and poor Steve Nash man he looks still like he's 38 years old 30 30 years old he looks like a young boy sometimes I I could imagine him being gray by the end of this year remember how Obama aged like 20 years in his two terms in office <laughs> yeah Steve, Steve, every president <laughs> Steve Kerr honestly Steve Kerr aged a good bit in that five-year run for the Warriors too I can see Steve Nash if this is like a true like three year run, oh, oh yeah, exactly. It's gonna be a tough job, tough job. And uh, yeah, I bet you he wishes he could play. Like he would be a great point guard for that team. You know, if you move Kyrie oh, to the two a little bit, Nash mm-hmm. off the ball, catch and That'd shoot, be perfect. Cutting, man, that would have been fun. Man, that, that, it's gonna be Poor interesting, guy. man. We're gonna be watching the damn Nets, and I honestly I cannot wait because I miss watching Kevin Durant play basketball. I really do. Um, that, and all the people out there who who don't watch the Nets as much as we do on a regular basis, they have, in my opinion, the best TV crew in the NBA. Lo- local TV crew. Oh my God, Ian yeah, Eagle and Eagle, Richard Jefferson, Eagle, and Kustak. Yeah, they're great. They are they great. Well. Yeah, Duff. Do you want a minute on the Sixers here, or do we have to? Oh talk- uh, shit, Pete, you stole my thunder. I was about to say I wanted to give John Lucas my last five minutes here, so we can talk about the 76ers again. There you go. Take it, take it, take it, Duffy's. Take it away. I've talked about it till I'm blue in the face. I mean, look, I I don't, I've the biggest point, and I talked to my friend Jeff about this big Sixers fan, Jeff, shout out. He, he agrees with me. We're, we're like a year behind where I, where we wanted them to be, you know, like after the Raptor series, I would have liked Brown to be out the door. um, And then, you know, bring in a new coach. Then we could have figured out, you know, maybe they make Simmons and Bede work. Maybe it doesn't. Okay. Then you start to reevaluate. Now I feel like this is the season where it's like, all right, kind of nut up or shut up for Embiid and Simmons. Even though I said they're both young, I would I err on the side of kind of letting it ride with those two. But you know, we'll see. I mean, that team has made me incredibly frustrated in the past with all the talent, but I think it's going to fit better with all the shooting they have this year. So I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic, but I'm ready to turn on them at a moment's notice. So that's how I'm feeling right now. A little volatile, but but <laughs> optimistic. <A little. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you look at the the roster here. I'm looking at it. Currently slotted into start is Ben Simmons, Danny Green, Matisse Tybel, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. You added shooting with Danny Green. Yeah, Tybel. Hopefully, he figures it out in year two. Tobias Harris. But he, I'm not. He was shooting like high thirty percent, like not many attempts a game, but yeah. he was efficient. And he's a friggin' menace on defense. Season. We yeah, for sure. But the big and defensively, additions, just a freaking like prodigy. Absolutely. He's insane on defense. But the biggest the biggest additions for this team, I think, are Seth Curry and the rookie, Tyrese Maxey. Because Maxey can, in theory, play with Ben Simmons and without Ben Simmons. And I think there's a good chance he's better than Shake Milton. 
Kyle, Tyrese Maxey was one of your guys coming into the draft. Oh, you want you want to give dude, a word on Tyrese man. before we move on to our next category? Yeah, dude, I, I'll keep this short and sweet, man. This is definitely this is the point guard I wanted for the Knicks, man. I was I was watching this dude, you know, uh, you know, just pre-draft stuff, just you know, just doing some research on some players and stuff, and they were just talking about this kid's work ethic. You know, he, he, you know, his willingness to, to get better every day. You know, he's put up 2,000 shots a day, making 2,000 shots a day since May 23rd, which is insane. And, um, you know, just the fact that he w- he's played under the lights before, you know, at Kentucky. He was averaging like 16 and like five a game at Kentucky. And a guy that you can just sub right in there, a guy that could score all three levels. And, you know, Cal Perry legit said, like, dude, if a lot of teams are going to be upset that they don't that they don't draft this guy because he, he's he's up there with like Jamal Murray and shy, you know, Gilgis Alexander Alexander. And I was like, shit, man, that's that's somebody that we need, you know, I, I, as a Knicks fan, you know, somebody that can that can get to it, you know, on the offensive end. Um, So when I saw he got picked up, like right before the Knicks pick, I was, you know, heartbroken, but. Dude, that's such a great pickup for the Sixers now. Um, you know, just a guy that can come off the bench and give them, you know, instant production when Simmons is not on the floor. You know, not necessarily having to just force feed Embiid the entire, you know, quarter. So, you know, I, I'm 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 happy for the Sixers, man, and obviously have for you, Duff, because that that kid's gonna be a stud, man. For Dude, sure. Dude, ever since you told me he was making like ten thousand shots a week, I got so excited Dude. by that stat. That was, was the most exciting insane. basketball stat I've heard in years. <laughs> insane dude they were like they're like yeah he's he's shooting t- if the, if they said he was shooting 2000 a day i'm like damn dude that's impressive was like no he's making 2000 a day i was like jesus man and he's, i'm i'm he, he i hope he takes ethic. i hope he takes all of shake milton's minutes all of them yeah. i think he's yeah. a poor man's kemba walker and a poor man's kemba walker is five foot ten and not that good so <laughs> poor man's kemba <laughs> walker is 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 smith yeah, <laughs> Ishmith gives buckets. He was actually on the Sixers when we were in college. But yeah, I wouldn't be excited about him either. So, hey, let me just say one thing on a serious note for the Seventy Sixers is I feel like they went from like uh, uh, idiot teenagers to now like respectable adults in the front office and coaching positions, which I think is something very underrated when you're trying to now mold. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, right? Two guys who seem, you know, misguided at times. Uh, I'm not saying bad people, just like misguided in the sense that they maybe don't, they're maybe not as professional as they should be, taking it as seriously as they should be, it seems, from the outside, right? But now you got a really good GM and you got a, a veteran head coach who's won a title uh, and, and, spent a lot of time with a lot of different players. I think that is going to be something that's an even bigger improvement than some of these players we talked about. I'm hoping best that adi- the best additions they made weren't even on the court this season. Yeah. I'm hoping that Daryl Morey does with Tobias Harris, what he's done with so many people in Houston, just kind of pigeonhole him. Honestly, like we, we think about Tobias Harris. I get so frustrated with this dude because he has some talent, but he disappears. Honestly, I think you're better off pigeonholing that guy. Turn him into a true stretch four. Don't ask him to put the ball on the ground that much. Don't ask him to do too much. Just help out rebounding. Don't be a sieve on defense and hit some damn threes, and this team's cooking. 
Honestly, yeah, some mid-post touches too. He was actually good with that. But it goes to your point. Don't put the ball on the ground. Like, just yeah. catch, make a move. Two dribbles max like, for Tobias Harris. Him in the middle of the paint, like the turnarounds, floaters, he was actually pretty nice with that last season. Yeah. All right, time for the next category. We're moving on to the playoff locks. So this is uh, kind of the smallest category I had because the contenders were so large because, like we said, it's it's kind of up in the air this year. On uh, the locks, we had the Warriors, the Rockets, with, you know, anticipating James Harden playing a full season there, which I guess we have to do at the moment. Uh, the Blazers, the Raptors, and the Jazz. That's all I had for playoff locks. Um, Warriors, obviously no clay. I think they're still a playoff team. Steph, Oubre, uh, Draymond Green. Uh, they just added James Wiseman, number two pick. So I think that's pretty reasonable. Rockets, I mean, who the hell knows? We just talked about that. Blazers, always going to be steady with Dame. The Rock or the Raptors, just professional organization. They're actually playing in Tampa this year, so shout out to Tampa Bay Raptors. Um, and the Jazz, kind of like Raptors West. It's just like a steady, professional organization, you know? Uh, so you guys got anything, anything piqued the interest there? Anything, uh, you got any issues with that list or what? Yeah, I think my only problem is with one of the teams in hopefuls that I think oh. is, should be a lock. Is that a spoiler? Is that yeah, no, much? that that's fine. I would just say, save that one. Cause I had one from, I had one like that from the contenders. So save that one to, uh, to talk about with the hopefuls and bump them up later. I'd say. Okay. Then I'll keep it in the pocket. Okay, keep yeah, keep it keep it in the back pocket. I got one. Um, maybe unpopular opinion here, but I do not have the Warriors as a lock, and I'll tell you why. I think Steph is going to do his thing. This right, Steph is going to ball out. Draymond will probably ball out. But is he gonna, you know, is he gonna be responsible for winning you a lot of games? I don't know. Kelly Oubre, like I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I don't really have like a lot of respect like for his game. Like I think he's like a you know, on on a better team. He's coming off the bench, in my opinion. Like I, I think he's good, but I think he, I don't know. He's he's he just doesn't. I don't know why. Maybe maybe it's just me. He just doesn't really like do it for me. Like he's not that much of a threat for him to be responsible for more wins in the West. You know what I mean? And to to assume that Wiseman is going to kill it in his first year um, after only playing like three games in college, like I'm kind of just like weary about that. I'm not so, even sure it was that many games. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I, I'm pretty sure he played like two games. I was about to say, I know he played less than a handful. Hey, hey of he's games, rested, you know. <laughs> Bro, he's rested. He's got young legs. My guy's nineteen legs for sure. Hey, except he's I'm got just, COVID, so he's missing I, the first part of camp. Right, like I, I just get it out uh, of the way now. <laughs> we'll see. I want to see if if uh, you know if he's if he's as advertised and if he's as advertised enough to be an impact in the NBA like right away. I don't That's, I don't I think guess... he I don't think he really like needs to ball out. Just imagine those Warriors teams with like a top two someone who's supposed to be like a top two generational uh you know big man who's seven foot or seven foot one instead of Festus Azili, instead yeah. of Kevon Looney, instead of JaVale McGee. That's kind of how that's how I feel about it. I just think I just think like Clay, not having Clay dude is like 
like no, that hurts. Humongous, that hurts. you know, that like that's that's like but the best, probably the best wingman in the league. But maybe they could package Wiggins and Ubre for a more kind of st- like steady wing wing uh, production guy. But I I don't know about that because then it'll hurt their depth, obviously. So th- right. Well, l- let me let me say this about Wiseman because I, I want to get this out here. I have a take. I have a couple takes for a couple teams that we as we go through. And here's one for you guys. And this one has to do with gambling again. I, I mentioned Tatum as a great value pick for MVP. James Wiseman is my official pick for Rookie of the Year, and here's why. Duffy, you led to it. You got right there. You said Kevin Looney, Fessis Azili, JaVale McGee. All these dudes looked very good in this Warrior system because they didn't have to do much. You set a screen, you rim run. If you can add anything extra with that, you know, nowhere to pass the ball kind of helps a little bit. Uh, even Andrew Bogut, they're super impactful big guys uh, who didn't have to do that much. So I think James Wiseman has a great route to win Rookie of the Year. As voters get smarter, are they going to start saying, oh, LaMelo Ball is putting up 19, 8, and 6, uh, but their team sucks and he's incredibly inefficient? Like, Is that the uh, Rookie of the Year, or is James Wiseman averaging 14 points, 8 rebounds, and almost 2 blocks a game on a team that's a playoff team the real Rookie of the Year, a guy who stepped in and made an impact right away? Because if you think about it, JaVale McGee, if he had the legs and the the energy to play 30 minutes, he probably would average, you know, 20 and 12. But he just can't because he's too big. Uh, he's not in that type of shape. People who are that big just can't play that many minutes sometimes, right? James Wiseman's young. He's got the energy. If he can play 30 minutes a game, stay out of foul trouble, I could see him putting up a very nice rookie stat line, helping this team be consistent and solid and walking his way to one of the more statistically average rookie of the years, but one where we look at, oh, damn, that guy really helped a good team get that much better, and that's my pick. He's plus 700 right now. It's the fourth best odds. I, th- I think I might be onto something here, not going to lie. Yeah, he might average like you know 15 and 10 or something like that, but he's shooting 67% from the field because it's just free dunks off yeah. of uh, Steph Curry help defenders and stuff like that. Exactly, and you know the, the, the high pick, and, I can see it right now, the high pick and roll, you know, Steph dumps it off to Draymond. Draymond's running to the hoop. No one's going to guard him, but some reason they freeze anyway, and he lobs it up to James Wiseman dunk. I could see that happening a bunch. Hey, but is that is that the reason why he should get rookie of the year, though? It, it could be. You know, that, if, that's he's just, getting, if, he's getting, if he's getting free bucks because of Steph and Draymond, would that be the reason why he should get rookie of the year? That it, would be my only if the team you know, If the team is doing well and they're winning, yes. and they're like a top four seed in the West. Yeah. Top five that that may be true, but but I think my argument would be then why the you know then a, a Zeli could play can be plugged into that spot. Mm-hmm. But no no no, that this is a, a more athletic, he, more no, talented. But, but I'm just saying if if that's, that's, really the, if that's his role, if that's his role, and we're just you know if it's just lob dunks and he's getting 15 and 10 off of you know off of the production from the shooters on the on the perimeter. Why are you hating Kyle? I know. I I'm honestly, not, I don't know. No, I I hear you, Kyle. But but there, all I'm saying, is there going to be another rookie that that does better than him, even though he's not on a on a good team. It's po- it's possible. Point. And honestly, I hear your point a hundred percent. I'm just saying though that that's Wiseman's bare minimum. I'm saying his bare minimum is running into that role, but running into it for thirty minutes instead of twelve, instead of fourteen. So you double that okay. role, and then if he adds anything else on top of that, goddamn, there's a chance he could score eighteen a game. And get ten rebounds if he's if he really is a rookie who can come in and and 
you know, maintain the pace of the game with the faster NBA, you know, stay in shape, stay out of foul trouble, and do the bare minimum with a little bit of icing on the cake, then boom, he he's he's a rookie of the year candidate, I think. Like easily. Easily. Because I, I hear what you're saying. When you say it like that, like, oh, he's just Kevon Looney, like, why is that special? No, no, he's bare minimum Kevon Looney. He's like if you take Kevon Looney and JaVale McGee, combine them and put a little salt on top for some flavor, and then boom, you got a rookie of the year and a playoff team in Golden State. But could we uh, – What all like, I know there's a lot of players that are in the draft right now. You know, like we were talking about, you know, Killian Hayes, Kyrie Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey we just mentioned before. You know, guys that have some kind of, you know, not necessarily in our draft, you know, that we considered as superstar potential. How much better of a story will it be for one of those guys that we didn't really talk about as much? to, you know, that some crazy season to jump off and, and be the guy as opposed to the guy that was the number two pick and is playing on the Warriors and plays in probably the best system in the league and is just like, you know what I mean, like kind of reaping the benefits of it. Right. That's and, my and only that's argument. That's a good point. I think Pete's point is that he's got a head start because yeah. of no, the situation I, I got you. No, no, no. I, and I hear you. And I hear you. But I think, I think the whole, you know, odds against their situation type of deal you know, as far as the team they play for and, you know, where they're drafted as opposed to the number two pick in the, you know, in a draft going to the Warriors, you know, when the Warriors were just had a bad year last year. You know what I mean? Right. That's all. No, that's fair. I'll leave it. Kyle just wants to make sure the small markets get their recognition. <laughs> that's it, man. Someone, someone's got to fight for him. All right. Let's go, man. I know we're in the New York market and everything, but you know we got to show love to to those Midwestern states, the freaking Pacers of the world, the the Utah Jazz of the world. Somebody's got to do it. Hundred percent. I'm just trying to get paid, man. I'm trying to get fucking paid. I, I absolutely. I'm with that. And yo, wait, hold up. I got one more because this is perfect for for your take right there, Kyle. It segued right into my next playoff lock. I want to talk about. This is a team that I felt like everybody was saying was the biggest winner of the offseason. And it's the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know if you guys saw this as well. Everyone's freaking out about the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, they added Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, and Enos Cantor, and Harry Giles. Like, yeah, yeah, those are some nice pieces. But the, the real big things, obviously, retaining Damian Lillard, getting Yusuf Nurkic back for a full year, those are things that are all good. And I just saw way too much hype saying that they're going to be, like, this is the, the winner of the offseason. Do we really see the Blazers in that contender spot, because when I mentioned earlier that I had a one and a half qualms with the contenders, mine was saying that the Blazers could be bumped up to that contender spot. I see people saying they can be like a two, three seed. I'm not going to go there, but if I look at the Clippers and I look at uh, even like some of the teams in the East, obviously it doesn't line up perfectly when it comes to uh, seeding and stuff. I think the Blazers are going to be just as good, if not better, but just as consistent, if not more consistent than a lot of those teams in the contender um, bracket, even though I thought the hype was a little too much on their offseason. I think that'll come down to CJ McCollum because the difference between Damian Lillard and Stephen Curry, I don't think is that much. You know, Steph Curry obviously could be the best guy on a championship team, but the difference between Clay Thompson and CJ McCollum is pretty drastic in my eyes, mm-hmm. because, especially because of what he can do defensively and just being six foot eight instead of six foot four or five, whatever CJ is. Because uh, Nurkic is going to be consistent, Dame's going to be consistent. You know, Covington is just going to be a three and D guy. Derek Jones Jr. is just going to be your backup big, whatever. So, 
they have good supporting casts, but they're I worry about their their top end talent. That's why I had them in playoff locks rather than contenders. I worry about that, you know, because Dame is obviously that dude. He's up there, but CJ and Nurkic, I don't think are quite there. That's why I had them in this category instead of contenders. They still got Melo, right? Yep. There's a reason LeBron James and the Lakers didn't pick Melo up, even though they needed three point shooting. And they're and they're like best friends. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Mel- Melo now even even more so though. Melo actually has a lesser role because you think about this: Rodney Hood's coming back from injury. Derek Jones and Covington play the same position as Melo and are obviously much better defenders. So Melo now can... Same thing with Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, and how do you feel that I had Gary Trent Jr. highlighted as a rising player in the league? Is that too aggressive? No, nah, I like it because he, he does work on both ends. He does work on both ends. And now Melo can truly be realized as just a, a bench scorer. I think there's no excuse to start him anymore. He's officially a bench scorer, and he had many moments many moments for the Blazers last year as a quality scorer, offensive player, and rebounder. So, I just had to take my shot at Carmelo Anthony. Every <laughs> once in a while, I'm going to take it. So <laughs> That's so okay. <laughs> let, me, let me ask this question. So this year, right, is one through six. You're definitely, you know, you're in the playoffs, right? And then mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine, ten are in the play-in tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Now, is there any sort of stipulation to that? Like, do you have to have a certain number of uh, games within the seeds to qualify for that? Or it's no matter what, 7, 8, 9, and 10 are playing each other to get into the real playoffs? It's auto. Okay. Because to me, then, from this group, the only two that I see as playoff locks are the Raptors and the Jazz. I, I think the Warriors have too much potential to flame out just due to a lot of stuff going on. The Rockets... There's maybe no more toxic organization, you know, other than the Knicks, but and some of those other crappy ones down there, you know, <laughs> than the Rockets and then the Blazers. For some reason, I just don't trust them. I don't know what it is. Uh, I feel like I do love Dame and, and a couple of those guys, but I feel like every year they're like everyone's team to like surprise. And they do surprise you sometimes on those late 10 p.m. tip offs on the East Coast. But when push comes to shove they like never really rise to the occasion so i i don't really see any of these teams in one through six other than the raptors and the jazz personally i don't know if that's like a hot take but like one through six people are going to be dying for those positions and and it's going to be it's going to be kind of weird uh and crazy for seven eight nine and ten i actually i really do hear that and even though i think they're going to be better i just think what you may have what you may be clouded with right now is thinking about their season last year where they actually snuck into the uh, playoffs through the bubble. Like, they snuck in. They were not slotted to be in the playoffs, and they played their ass off, did just enough to make it into the playoffs. Then they got banged up and stunk it up, you know, against the Lakers in, in that series. But Yusuf Nurkic is the difference there. If Yusuf Nurkic, Nurkic is healthy for all of last season, I think the, the weird taste we had in our mouth about the Blazers last year would, wouldn't exist. And we would say, yeah, no, they're just they're just a five seed. They're just a six seed. Like they will be there. They may not be a contender, contender, but they are much closer to the Nuggets and Clippers than they are to you know maybe the Rockets and Suns for for argument's sake. And also, this is a tier list, so I got to show some differentiation between <laughs> like the Bla- the Blazers and the Jazz are in a better position than the the Pelicans and the Suns. You know what I mean? Right. So like. They might they might sneak in off like the wild card series I guess we'll call it but 
Um, that's that's kind of how I wanted to differentiate the Warriors and the Rockets. They're in because there's only four other teams in the West I would have ahead of them. So and that's five, sixteen seeds in my mind. Yeah, love or, it. Actually, Blazers could probably jump the Rockets, but whatever. We'll see. You get my point. Uh, moving on, we got the playoff hopefuls. Here we go, Frank. You had so, some you had some issues here. What do you what do you oh so just so people know in the playoff hopefuls we got the Pacers, the Suns, the Hawks, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Magic, and the Wizards. All so, right, go ahead, Frank. Yeah. So after discussing more, like I don't necessarily have a problem, but I also just feel like it could these two other teams could easily flop into the other category, like just based off of circumstance. I fully expect the Wizards to make the playoffs with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Um, I like some of their younger pieces too. So I, I personally would have them as a lock, but I definitely get why they aren't. So I'm not going to make a big stink about it. Um, but my make other Make a one, big stink. Oh, the, go ahead. The, the Suns. The Suns, after acquiring Chris Paul and kind of like what he did with that makeshift roster in Oklahoma City, and like I think there's more around him to work with in Phoenix. And I mean, Devin Booker's legit. I know you guys know based off our rankings that I'm pretty high on him. So you put a guy who's an elite level scorer at the wing position and like, you know, one of the best point guards of the past two decades, like to me, that's a playoff formula. That's a playoff team. Um, They even have a big guy who seems really excited to learn from Chris Paul, which like, I think he has more skill and talent than DeAndre Jordan ever did. And Chris Paul kind of made DeAndre Jordan who he is today. So I think Aiton has a chance to kind of take that next step and be a guy that like everyone says, like, man, you know, whether it be because he was out for steroids or whatever, um, we don't talk about him enough. So, yeah, I I think Paul made DeAndre Jordan so much money. Yeah. (laughs) He's still got it. Like, he's really. And I, I I like DeAndre Jordan. I'm not trying to, you know, shit all over guy. But um, a very unskilled basketball player, an elite level athlete with elite size, like, and obviously like intelligent, like a smart basketball player knows where to be and what to do. But like zero touch, can't put the ball on the floor, can't really pass. And make free throws. Can't make free throws like any of that. And hey, he made him. Hold an on, all-star. hold on, real quick. D- free throws. He's actually shooting like 75, 80% now from the line. Just just want to say that. Yeah, after he lost all the other good stuff he had. Yeah, after yeah. he lost the really. <laughs> I would rather have the other stuff. He's a he's a def- he's a defensive guy. Defensive guy. So so yeah, to conclude my point though, just I fully expect the Suns to be in a playoff spot come the end of the season. And I understand that, but again, I needed to just kind of show some differentiation because like the Warriors and the Rockets, Blazers, Jazz are are, are a tier ahead of the Suns and the Grizzlies. Yeah, and the no, even, the even for sure. Like I, I wasn't even fully aware that it was the six and then seven through 10 is, is um the play play that, which, which is what changes my mind because the, I, I, I honestly think that the Wizards slot so easily into seven or eight and same thing for the Suns, but it, there's only six spots. So it, it definitely changes the situation. There's only six guaranteed spots. So it definitely 
changes yeah. that. Situation. I have a que- I have a question for you guys about that whole setup. Just real quick, are we considering if you're if you're the uh, the nine or ten seed and you make it to the playing stage? Are we considering that a playoff? The playoffs, like they do no. in baseball, if you make it to the wild card game. No, you got to make it to the sixteen. You got to make it to the I round. Agree. I agree. All yeah, right. for sure. Especially, I mean, just because baseball, you know, what was it? Five teams made the playoffs, and then six they added. They added another one, or was it six and yeah, then seven? Yeah. Whatever it was, I forget. But in basketball, more than half the league makes the playoffs already. So to say that yeah. nine and ten, so now twenty teams out of thirty are making the playoffs. That's that's a little too much for me. Agreed. Wait, I just want to make sure we were aligned on that wait, as a podcast. I, I am not. I am not done though, talking about. I think Frank, you called out the two most interesting teams to me in this bracket, uh, the playoff hopefuls. I think the Wizards and the Suns. I think you add the Hawks and the Pelicans as very interesting as well. But I think the Wizards are a team now that are going to get slept on because I was on this very podcast just two weeks ago with Alec Argento doing a full hour on the Knicks, literally just a full hour on the Knicks, and I went, I went berserk. I was like. Don't put Russell Westbrook anywhere near this freaking team because, you know, best case scenario, he puts you to a 7-8 seed and it means nothing and he doesn't play impactful basketball to develop people and it's not a, a type of basketball I want anywhere near the Knicks right now. I want nothing to do with it. I went off. I went for like five minutes, right? But with the Wizards, you have Bradley Beal. You already have a built-in reason to win. You have one of the best 15 players in the league, maybe 20 players in the league, in Bradley Beal. Now with Russell Westbrook, all with the hate that we can give him, he's still a top 25 player, top 30 player. Even in the weird rocket season, he had these pockets of the season where he was incredibly impactful. So you look at this Wizards team, and it's real easy to say, like, eh, now they have Russell Westbrook inefficient, like, whatever, who cares? Bradley Beal's really good. But, like, what else they got? They actually got some nice little pieces here. So we talk about Davies Bertans. They gave him too much money for too many years. Whatever. The guy is going to shoot the lights out of the ball again. Perfect spacer to go with those guys. And then Rui Hachimura and Thomas Bryant are really promising young guys. Rui is a guy who has not played basketball for very long and in his rookie year in the NBA, you know, showed a few signs, showed a few things. And then Denny Advergida, I cannot get that guy's freaking name. But yeah, the, the, that was the other. I, he's a pure question mark, but but like he's he, an X Factor type guy. He's a top pick for a reason, and he has a lot of great feel. He has good touch. He can do some things on the basketball court. It goes to Troy Brown Jr. They got some uh, solidity from Robin Lopez on the second unit for defense, which we saw what he did to the regular season uh, for the Bucks last year defensively. He was very very solid as a backup. So I look at the Wizards now, Frank. I am with you. This team is way better today than they were last week. And that's kind of messed up because John Wall, in theory, can get back. You just can't count on it. And that's why, you know, if James Harden gets traded from the Rockets tomorrow, we're not considering the Rockets a playoff lock. We're probably not even considering them a playoff hopeful until we see John Wall. But we saw Russell Westbrook last year, and despite shooting 2% from three-point line, you know, he's going to make impacts, and they're going to be beating teams like the Orlando Magic. They're going to be beating teams like the Pistons. Uh, and they can compete with a really solid franchise like the Pacers. They're probably more talented at this point. So I, I, I don't know. I'm with you, Frank. I think the Wizards are right there. And then the Suns, obviously, you made the point already. I'm not going to reiterate it. You saw what he did with OKC last year. Uh, another team that I moved CP3, out of the maybe. locks into the into – the, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this because, Pete, you just brought them up. A team I moved out of the locks and put in the hopefuls is the Pacers. Uh, there always just seems to be kind of one team every year that everyone – thinks he's going to do really well, and then maybe there's an injury, maybe there's some weird chemistry issues. To me, I kind of just kind of, I projected that on the Pacers this season for me. Um, 
Oladipo wants out. They just they just changed their coach. So I don't know. What do you got? How do you guys feel about the Pacers? Because I that's just a team that since Paul George left, I can't really find myself getting excited about. Um, just because they're always kind of like they're they're like grandfathered in as like a perennial six seed that is going to do like you know maybe some good stuff. They're always in the playoffs. They don't really spend any money. No one wants to go there. You know that that's just kind of how I feel about the Pacers. Just kind of blah. But I, I that's a team that I I moved out of the locks and put into the hopefuls. So I just wanted to see if you guys had any issues with that. It's perfect. Nope. You're you're right, dude. Six, no usually a six and seven seed pretty much every year. So no. you're right. I mean, no they're doubt. just they sneak in and we, that's it. We do know they, their we know their ceiling, right? Get we, the hell out. Exactly. We know their ceiling. They're they're hopeful to still be a lock if that makes sense. So no matter where you put, if you put them in the locks, we wouldn't have had an argument otherwise because we would have just said, hey, they were a lock last year without Oladipo. So if Oladipo stays yeah. be, stays be, uh, healthy this year or they get something in return. They should still be a lock, right? Like they're returning Malcolm Brogdon. Sabonis is probably only going to get better. Maybe Miles Turner gets unleashed in the new system with the new coach. You know, a young guy like Goga Batadze, like does he figure it out a little better? And then the Holiday brothers are solid players. TJ Warren gets buckets. Like, but we, we know their ceiling. They're, they're hopefully locks. That's what they are. They're not hopefully contenders, you know? So, yeah, you did perfect, Duff. Good job. Yeah, yeah. The other team I think is going to be super exciting is the Hawks mm-hmm. because they just have so many young pieces mixed with kind of veterans that everyone likes. You know, the veterans, they got Gallinari, Bog- Bogdan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, Rajon Rondo, and then the young guys, obviously, you got Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Cam Reddish, John Collins. So I-, I just think that's a really interesting mix of like a really balanced, you know, veterans versus young guys. And I think that that could be... You know, that seems to me to kind of have the recipe of a like a low seed playoff team. So I expect them to be in the play-ins, and I think it's going to be one of those teams that everyone's going to love to watch this season. And hopefully Rondo is a good influence on on Trey Young. And just kind of Trey Young, to me, it, I just have the perception of him as like a guy who just kind of gets his numbers, and that's what he is. But that's just because he's never been on like a good team. Even in college, he was clearly the best player, and he has to do everything at Oklahoma. Um, so hopefully Rondo is like, Hey, you know, you get numbers that's helpful, but this, these are little things you got to do to win, to win basketball games, to get in the playoffs, to be successful as, as a winner in the league. So that I am excited for that pairing. Uh, moving on, we got the, uh, the no man's land team. So this is kind of these teams, they don't have, maybe, maybe they don't have young superstar talent. Maybe they have, they're a little too old. Maybe they are, you know, they do have some young talent, but maybe it's not good enough. Uh, here we got the Charlotte Hornets, Minnesota Timberwolves, the Kings, and the Spurs. So, I mean, Hornets, we can go all different types of ways here. Um, obviously, they got LaMelo Ball. They signed Gordon Hayward for $120 million. That was kind of like the signing of the offseason where everyone was like, he went what? Yeah, he went. Yeah. He, he went made what? all that money. He went they gave what? him what? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, this this the Timberwolves is funny. They have the they have the um, number one pick in last year's draft. We have not mentioned him once yet. And Anthony Edwards. Um, so that's that's the team I want to start with. So whoever's got something to say about the Timberwolves can go right ahead because that team is just kind of it breaks my brain a little bit to think about. So. 
who want who wants to go go up on that one? I I have one thing to say, and it's in regard to um, the pod I did two weeks ago, and then I'll let everyone else talk. I was informed by a friend and listener of the podcast that I was a little bit uh, too hopeful, I guess, on the Knicks, or not. I was not dismissive enough of uh, which teams were better or worse than the Knicks, right? So me and Alec were doing the podcast, and I was mentioning the teams that were definitely worse, or not definitely worse than the Knicks, likely worse than the Knicks or right in that same category. And I was like, Cleveland and OKC. And I was like, that's it. That's the whole list. And Alec said the Timberwolves. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. They have better top-end talent, but then kind of like brushed it off. The Timberwolves are definitely better than the Knicks. <laughs> They're definitely better. They have the two best players between both teams in Carlton Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Uh, they're, they're just not good enough. They might be friskier. They might make us feel better about them this year if they play like, you know, together basketball and play a little bit of defense. Like, we'll feel better about them. They're just still a step behind. Yeah, they're they're also in that. Yeah, I was just say they're in that like tough, tough West, and they're just. And someone said it before about the the Sixers management, kind of like just like teenage attitude and all that kind of stuff. They still have that. They wear it on the sleeve, and that kind of stuff definitely just doesn't play for playoff basketball. So, yeah, I'd agree. It's just not there, man. Yeah. Just, and, 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 and in the West, you got to, you know, your your roster has to be loaded, you know, unfortunately. And they have two players, uh, number one draft pick and everybody else. You know, it's 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 unfortunate. But, you know, if they're if they're in the East, they probably, you know, probably a, a six seed or a five seed, you know, in the freaking East. But, you know, what you can do. Yeah. And the, yeah, and the, the Hornets. Yeah, the the Hornets, like, I just kind of throw my hands up in the air. Like, I, I don't know what that team is ever thinking about what they're doing. I thought the whole Hayward thing was just crazy, man. I have that a, was, I have yeah, a, a He's not going to sign Kemba, sure. and then you sign him for 120? Like, that made no sense to me. I have a take on the Hornets. Do you think Gordon Hayward's better than Kemba? You that, do? Mm. Yeah. Based off of the last two years of evidence, you can strongly argue against you, Frank, there. But based off of the last like 12 years of evidence, I think it's a great point because he's just more yeah. impactful. Uh, I mean, it's tough, in, in it's tough coming back from that fucking broken leg, but I, I, I'm actually like, I might watch a Hornets game this year. Oh, that's yeah. that's, that's going to be my only comment on the Hornets. Like I had no desire to watch a Hornets game last year, but I will most likely watch a Hornets game this year. Like I'm going to, I'm going to check out what LaMelo balls got in store. Yes. The so, only thing I'm going to say about LaMelo is prove it. I like, I, I already have LaMelo ball fatigue. So just <laughs> I'll watch some stuff, but just like prove it. I know? will. All right. I will definitely, no, no, I got, I got a Hornet stake for you. They definitely don't suck. I'll tell you that much. They do not suck. If you wa- I actually probably watched more Hornets games last year than I'm willing to admit, which was probably only like five or six, I think. But I saw a good, good bit of Devontae Graham and PJ Washington highlights. I look at this team and I say, Gordon Hayward, in theory, can be an all-star candidate again, right? He has the rollback. If he's healthy, he can be an all-star candidate, sure. Devonta Graham was legit freaking good last year, and P.J. Washington was a great rookie. If those two guys rise, Terry Rozier doesn't suck, even though he's a bit of a weird player from time to time. And you look at Miles Bridges, doesn't suck, maybe growing. LaMelo Ball, we'll see what happens, but 
James Borrego had this team playing a very competitive style of ball, they definitely don't suck. Like they they're not going to be terrible. And that I'm only saying that because there's a ton of Knicks fans out here who think they're going to like be sneaky in the playoff, uh, the play-in tournament. No, like teams like the Hornets are just better. The Bulls are just better. The Hawks are going to blow the Knicks out of the water when you come to uh, win totals. Um, so that's all I have to say about the Hornets. They don't suck. They have a few pieces that are pretty intriguing. Yeah, and we're we're good on this tier, so we're gonna move on. If you wanted your uh, Kings and Spurs takes, sorry, you're gonna have to wait for another. Pop. Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, um, that's it. That's all I have to say. The the, uh, the next tier is the bad but not hopeless tier. This is the Chicago Bulls, Detroit Pistons, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, with all twenty of their first round picks uh, over the next three years or whatever it is. Um, Chicago Bulls. Zach Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markkinen. How do you guys feel about the Bulls? Because I, I hear people talk about the Bulls all the time, and I never, I just can never find myself to get excited about that team. I mean, they got Billy Donovan now, right? So that that could be interesting. You get these, like their coach last year. I don't even remember his name. He was a weird dude. I was out there for Jim his, uh, NBA All Star. Jim Boylan. Yeah, Jim Boylan. I was out there for the NBA All Star uh, uh, weekend and. I, I was in the practice facility and I saw the infamous punch in clock where they had to like like you're in an old factory you had to actually punch a time card every time they went into to the to the practice facility get treatment or work out or get shots up whatever it was yeah so that, that was worked. that was that was the highlight of yeah that was the highlight of the bull season <laughs> for me last year um what do you guys think though because I that's just the team I kind of poo poo at this point I have it's zero just, excitement yeah. for the bulls yeah man listen they're, they're, they're just it's just, so it's not you, just, you know, it's 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 the it's the worst it's the worst version of the Pacers. Like you know exactly what you're gonna get. You know it's just they're they're you know most likely you're not gonna get in, and they're they're I mean, they're kind of like like you like it's they are the exact epitome of what this category is bad but not hopeless. Just because and the reason why they're not hopeless is because of the the Chicago Bulls. You know they're like they're still they like a storied. Dudes. You know, they're a storied organization. You have Zach Levine. You still got Wendell Carter. Like, those are guys, and, you know, Laurie Markkinen, those are guys that uh, are, star, are you know, are studs. But, like, and then after those guys, then what? You know, there, there's a reason Kobe why. White too, forgot to mention him. The, you know, there's the, – true. There's, there's a reason why you have a, a roster, uh, you know, for, for depth. You know, when they say depth, like, there, there's no depth on this team. You know, it's, it's a lot of – Still, a lot of young guys still just trying to figure out how to be a pro in this league right now. You know, so yeah, I actually, I real quick, one point I want to make because I get attacked about it a lot. Um, Russell Westbrook, people like to shove it down my throat that I'm a fan. If he is no good and a loser, like what does that make Zach Levine? He's got to be. Terrible one, and a bigger loser. One of the worst <laughs> players in the NBA, if that's how like well we I, value things. Frank, that's a just I was put up forty points every once in a while. You just soft tossed me a ball that I'm putting out of a little league field, you know, onto the next field because I was just gonna say this. In theory, this team is bad but not hopeless because you trade Zach Levine for either a nice little pick or some other little piece in return that makes your team a little bit better, a little bit younger, whatever it may be. But nobody wants Zach Levine. Nobody feels 
the the need to bring him into a great team because you don't know how he fits with a great team. You only really know how he fits with a bad team. He's going to put up 25. He's going to make some great highlight plays. He's going to win you some games with shooting. He's going to lose you a bunch with shooting. But this roster overall, I really, really don't hate. Kobe White, nice offensive piece. They did lose Chris Dunn, which, you know, he had a nice defensive season last year. And if he starts figuring out the offense a little bit, who knows? He's still young. But Laurie Market and Wendell Carter Jr. are very intriguing players in this league still right now. And you add their rookie, Patrick Williams, who looks like a defensive stud who can bring some some versatility to the offensive end. They have Otto Porter. They, they added Garrett Temple. If we watched as many Nets games as we said we did, not a bad player. Like, this team isn't terrible. They're, they're in the Hornets realm. They don't suck completely, but they're just not good enough. Not good enough. But we'll see what happens without Jim Boylan. uh, That helps. Yeah, and we've talked about the Thunder before. The the only thing I'll say about Detroit, and this is kind of how I'll sum up their offseason, this this season, in the 2020-2021 season, they are paying 20 players. So (laughs) that's just kind of how that shaped out. Oh, my gosh. There's a couple people on the – so listen, Blake Griffin, it comes down – According to Basketball Reference, there are 20 players – uh, associated with this team, not necessarily on the roster, that are going to make guaranteed money. That's is Josh Smith Josh, one of them? Josh <laughs> Josh Smith is still getting paid. There was there was a uh, there was a post. He, oh my god, they don't even have that was, one included. It was like a uh, a TikTok <laughs> the other day. A kid made a post about like NBA you know, players, players getting paid. NBA players, teams. right? I, NBA. I saw the post. You saw that? Yeah, yes. Josh Smith still on that list. I was like, he's, was, he's like making, they're like making five like, mil. Yeah, he's making five million a year still. Oh, good. Crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, get, dude. Get your bag, Josh Smith. Get your bag. Nah, yo, oh honestly, my God, though, he is. when it comes down to that this is the team, last year, he's making $5.3 Holy shit. God that, bless him. That's crazy. Get your bag, son. That's good for him. Uh, but wait, the only thing oh. you really have to say about this team is if Blake Griffin is healthy, as healthy as he was two years ago, this becomes a playoff hopeful team. This becomes a playoff hopeful team. If, if Blake Griffin is, is healthy. But yes, that's why they're not hopeless. A lot of people want to put them in hopeless. But Sekou Dumboya is a guy who we need to keep an eye on. They have two rookies, Sadiq Bey, who's whatever. You know, the Ed DeLon Wright and Jeremy Grant, nice pieces. You just Killian paid Hayes. Jeremy Grant too much. And they got Killian Hayes, one of my favorite guys in the draft. This team is definitely not hopeless, despite the ridiculous contracts they gave out. Like the Jeremy Grant is just too much money. I don't get it. But hey. If Blake Griffin's healthy, this team's fighting for a playoff spot, or at least for the wild card situation. Also, Agreed. don't talk bad about Sadiq Bay, Nova guy. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, he's a good player. Move, this is the on. part of the league where you're kind of just hoping that these teams surprise you on a night that you're watching them play a team that you actually care about, right? I mean, we're so just game. everyone's just kind of going through teams the last couple of tiers, and it's just a lot of hope in our voices, right? Just hoping like Zach Levine does something crazy, like Frank was saying, like yeah. drop forty, or Blake Griffin. Yeah, shows like if your if your favorite team is playing against one of these teams, we're just trying to highlight some stuff where you know you can look at. Okay, it might be worthwhile watching because you get to see Zach Levine throw down a sick dunk. Dunk. Maybe Killian Hayes is good. Maybe Lamelo Ball or Gordon Hayward does something crazy. Maybe Anthony Edwards is better than we think he's going to be. You know, something like that. That's just keep an eye out. You know. Well, I think I think someone um, would explain that as moistening the palate. Ah. Uh, we almost made it out. <laughs> so close. 
Last category. <laughs> God damn it, Pete. Oh, uh, gosh. The yikes. Got your yikes teams. So oh, right man. here is the Cleveland. Uh, sorry, number one, the New York Knicks. Number yes, two, sir. Cleveland Cavaliers. So, yes, I mean, Pete, you you had your full pod about the yeah, Knicks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, done. me personally, I, I'm I'm actually I'm, I'm hopeful about Obi Toppin because that's definitely a guy I said in the draft pod. I I got stock in that guy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I don't think he'll be like some superstar level, like, you know, kind of get to a Paul George level, something like that. But I think this is a guy who won't suck and will be like a maybe a, a B, B plus player in the NBA for a long time. So I think that is just just you get my... good pieces, show you can identify some talent. I'm excited for the Knicks. I want to watch Mitchell Robinson play, you know, hopefully 30 minutes and not foul out. Kevin Knox, I liked in college. I don't know what the hell happened to that guy, but uh, you know, we'll see with the Knicks. I mean, I, I'll, I'm coming in with some fresh eyes this season. I'm not as, I'm not as pessimistic as I was. You want my way too early OB Toppin stuff? Or right. talk to him, Frank. Absolutely, absolutely, Frank. OB Toppin is something the Knicks franchise hasn't had in almost as long as I've been a fan. Uh, I think the only player I could say that I think fits the mold was Stefan Marbury. Um, he's got like this gritty kind of just natural leadership quality about him that I haven't seen on the Knicks team in literal years, if not more than a decade. Um, he's an older guy coming out of college, so should be a little bit more seasoned, like in maturity aspects. And I actually think that goes a long way. Um, and it's probably me being hopeful, which I haven't been about the Knicks for probably the last three seasons. So I, I like to think it's not coming out of nowhere. Um, but I, I think this Knicks team is at least as good as that Bulls team. Uh, maybe I'm a Bulls hater, um, but... I think if Obi Toppin is the guy that I think he is, that I, at least he is portrayed to to me right now, like I don't need him to be the one A on this team. I need him to be Draymond Green, but better at basketball. That's what I need. Better at scoring, at least, or not, and not yeah, as good at the definitely other stuff. Better at scoring, and he's definitely not as good on defense. I right. love that he's a local guy, so being a Nick actually means something to him. You know, it's like it's not. You know, if it was if it was me and the Knicks have been a joke ever since, you know, he's only a couple years younger than me, right? So it, the Knicks have been kind of a joke ever since I've been alive. So I wouldn't think much of it. But him growing up in New York, like that's he was in tears on draft night. He was so excited. So I think that is a great sign. Yeah, I I mean, like I said, it could be the way too early. And I mean, like, I you know, I've only seen what everyone else has seen. I haven't seen something that no one else has seen, but... I do kind of get like that, that aura of a leader uh, when I hear him speak and kind of just like when people talk about him, the way he works and stuff like that. I love it. I want, I really, I'm I, like, Frank, honestly, I'm just happy that you have any ounce of giddiness in what's happening with the New York Knicks, because if you listen to this podcast, you may know that Frank's a Knicks fan, right? And he follows that team as much as any. But if you also listen to this podcast, I don't think we've heard Frank say a nice thing about the Knicks since we started. Yeah, probably because, like two or three years. Because you've been <laughs> one of the most realistic Knicks fans that I know, uh, which means you've known that they stink. 
and you know that they are not really going anywhere fast. So I appreciate that you have some bullishness to your voice when you talk about it. But I'm really excited to hear Kyle's take on the Knicks because I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear it all, yeah, Kyle. Man. Give me, give me like yeah, a man. solid five minutes right now. I don't even know. Just go I off. Got you. Iso ball. I'm I calling iso you. for you on the Knicks right now. Just listen, dude. I I'm I've never been more enthusiastic and more, uh, you know, anxious for a season of of basketball in New York. Probably, shit, maybe in my life. Honestly, like this is this is such a like great time to be a Knicks fan because it's it's just like hope. You know what I mean? Like we're not going into the season and just automatically thinking like, dude, let's not lose by 30 a game this year. Like, please, let's not. Like we actually have a shot to compete and actually be like watchable this year. So it's it's like, you know, the fact that Obi Top, and like you said, Duff, you made a good point that, you know, he wants to be here. You know, that one of the things he wanted was to be a Nick, you know, and now he's a Nick. You know, we have guys that are, we have a great mix of guys that are proven vets. Like, you know, a guy like Austin Rivers that was just in, you know, the semifinals is now on this team and can, you know, kind of be a a great vet for some of these young guys. A guy like RJ Barrett that is still learning how to be a pro and now his head coach is, is Tom Thibodeau. You know, and and obviously we're Obi Toppin as well. Like Mitchell Robinson, a guy with promise that that's just starting to like kind of come into the own. I mean, come into his own as as a pro in his league, and now he's you know potentially, uh, you know, can probably be one of the top ten, you know, top five bigs in this league. I think, in my opinion, you know, I, I, there's there's so many things you can point to where it's like, dude, like. Dude, we we actually can are going somewhere. You know, we're 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 taking steps in the right direction. You don't feel like you're you don't feel hopeless. You know, we're in the we're in the yikes, you know, bracket right now. But we are damn near out of there and you know, about to take a leap over that into the, you know, into the playoff hopefuls, you know, one day. You know, and I, I think we're not too far off. You know, it's just as as long as we get better every single day. You know, I'm I'm so I'm so excited for the season for sure. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about, Kyle. I'm with you because it's the perfect level of bullishness where you don't expect wins, you don't expect playoffs, but you expect a level of competitiveness that gets you out of the gutter. And we all talk about the Nets and what they did pre-Durant, pre-Kyrie Irving to gain respectability. And it was without draft picks, goddammit. They put together a team without any high draft picks. So they trade them all away of the likes of Spencer Dinwiddie. They make a trade for D'Angelo Russell. You know, Jared Allen's like a mid-round pick, whatever. They made a couple moves. Karis LeVert, late pick twenty in the 20s. And they became respectable. And then when stars say, yo, I'm going to leave teams. I'm going to go somewhere else. Like, where can we go? Oh, you know what? Brooklyn seems like they got their stuff together. I can go make that home for now, and that's a good spot to be. If the Knicks can jump from yikes, and even get to, you know, bad but not hopeless or, 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 like, average but not hopeless or to playoff hopefuls, that's the win right there. That's everything. That's all you need to do. The only thing I am worried about, truly, truly worried about right now with this Knicks team is how these minutes are going to get spread out. Like, how are, how are they get spread out? Because there's too many guys right now that we need to see before we say goodbye, and I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Because we right now have... 
Alfred Payton, Austin Rivers, Alec Burks, and R.J. Barrett. That didn't include Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith, Emmanuel Quickly. Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith, Emmanuel Quickly, we have to see now or else we, we don't know what we even have. You need to see those guys. Uh, we have Kevin Knox. We also have Reggie Bullock. We have Michael Kidd Gilchrist for some reason. You know, yeah, it, it, so it's an agent favor, really, right? That's what I'm hearing. Can't wait for yeah. him to start with uh, with Tibbs as the coach. Yeah, it would be terrible. But anyways, we have, uh, I mentioned all the guards. We have Alfred Payton, RJ Barrett, Alec Burks, Austin Rivers. Four guys who would be in a rotation pretty much everywhere. I think Frank Nilakina would be in pretty much every rotation. I don't know about Dennis Smith Jr. We haven't seen Emmanuel quickly yet. That's like seven or eight guys right there who have to, you know, get some minutes so we can see what the hell we got. Now, granted, the condensed schedule helps spread those minutes around. Same for Kevin Knox. Is he going to get minutes over uh, Reggie Bullock and Obi Toppin? Like, if he doesn't, what the hell are we doing here? Same for Mitchell Robinson. If he's not getting enough minutes over uh, Randall, Nerlens Noel, and Omari Spellman, I'm going to just, you know, you'll you'll find me in the bathroom. If you know, if you've seen the video, you know what that means. <laughs> get him in the, the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like I'm, I'm, I'm preemptively frustrated. So to the Duffies, either one, Andrew or John Lucas, can can you give me a starting five, like an unbiased? Just try to be because you guys aren't Knicks fans, right? So be unbiased for us for a second, as you usually are. What is the starting lineup like? What does this rotation look like at all? Because I, I, I can't figure it out until we see it. I guess. Talking for the Knicks, Pete. Is that is that your question? For yeah, the, yeah. For the, the Knicks, Knicks, like somebody, somebody like me, Frank and Kyle are like, you know, we we got our little bit of biases because you know I like Frank Nilakina a lot. Maybe maybe uh, Frank obviously wants to see Obi Toppin in in the starting lineup. I don't know. Yeah, Duffy and Duffy, Andrew and J. Lou, y'all don't have the biases we got. What does this lineup look like? I think uh, I I don't know what the lineup's going to look like, but one question I do have related to all the players that you keep bringing up is is Austin Rivers. Because like right now, you know, you got him listed as second or third string on the on the, you know, mock depth chart that you you made up. But like I copied from ESPN. Right. It like is RJ Barrett really better than Austin Rivers? Hell like, no. Is El- like is Alfred Payton better than Austin Rivers? Like I don't know because I haven't watched him a lot. But to me, there's no way RJ Barrett's better than Austin Rivers. So it goes back to what you're saying. Like this this franchise is really looking a year at best, but really two or three years down the line and dudes need to get minutes. They need to continue to build goodwill throughout the, throughout the NBA with players. They need to have a good coach, right? They need to, James Dolan needs to stay out of the news. His name should not come up ever. So like, what, what is their game plan? Like, uh, that's what I want to see. Like you're saying, what are they committing to? Are they committing to like, Hey, maybe we can be a 10 seed or are they thinking like, no, we need to just, Slow and steady wins the race. We're building a culture. We're breaking this thing down. We need our young guys to expand. Um, but that, you know, then you're going to have chemistry issues. You might have to ship some guys out of there. But I think the NBA is better when the Knicks are good, right? And that's somebody who doesn't respect the Knicks because of the way they're run and, and all that <laughs> nonsense. But I'm hoping to watch some of their games, truthfully, to see how they do because. I want Obi Toppin to be good, right? He's from New York. I want him to like be proud of wearing a Knicks jersey because that's that's awesome for the NBA, right? And for those guys. So I will be watching some of their games just to see that. Yeah, if you're going with like best lineup available, you you're probably gonna have um I get a point guard like Alfred Payton. 
shooting guard Austin Rivers, small forward uh, R.J. Barrett, power forward Julius Randle, centers Nerlens Noel. But that's oh, like you can't you can't get behind that lineup if you're a Knicks fan. You know what I mean? Like this is not. Why do you want to get the ten seed and then just get bounced by whoever the seven seed is? Like that's not going to get you anything that's going to be substantial for you in the long run. Like we've been talking about. For me. I hope they get to a place where Emmanuel quickly can start. You know, maybe he splits minutes, but he, he kind of, you tap him on the shoulder, say, okay, you will be the starting point guard this season. Uh, you know, shooting guard, Austin Rivers still probably. And then small forward, keep it RJ Barrett, power forward, Obi Toppin. And then center Mitchell Robinson. Like I, I love Mitchell Robinson. Pete, I know you love Mitchell Robinson. I, I really hope they don't kind of just, waste their time with that dude. I think he's really the prototype of, you know, the solid center you want right now. Who's seven foot tall, blocks everything that comes near him, dunks everything that comes near him. He's he's electric to watch for me. So that's that's kind of where I see the Knicks is just just stick with the young guys. I know you need to kind of round out your team with professionals and veterans because you want to be respectable on a nightly basis. I totally understand that. I'm good with that. But Make sure you're not ignoring the the high value young guys you have in your team. Like Neil Aquina, I'm ready to move on. Oh. Dennis Smith Jr., I'm ready to move on. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Get him out of here. <laughs> I I would be a hundred percent in agreement in, in agreement, but I give my boy PD a lot of credit, and he still gives Neil Aquina hope. Hey, but I'm I'm like on the last thread. There, there's a in my eyes, in my eyes, this there, is a make a break season for him, man. Well, it, no, it's not because this, the last year is rookie deal. This no, is what happens. Not. This, this is what happens. No, it, you're if for the Knicks, it's right, it's the correct thing to say, but for his career, it's not because what happens is oh, not his he, career, no. Yeah, if he has a a bum year with the Knicks this year, or if he's not in the rotation, which would really be annoying, like he goes to a good team and he's instantly a rotational guy on a good team in helping their defense incredibly. That's what he, at minimum, this 21 or 22-year-old kid who we all knew, we all knew he was a project. We all knew his offense needed a crap ton of work. Why did we expect anything other than what's happened over the past two, three seasons? Because because we freaking picked a number six. That's why. Because we're all still pissed about it. Bruv, look look at all the picks in the top 10. Like, half of them suck every year. So it is what it is. That's enough, though. Unfortunately, all of our top picks go to shit or or our... Killing it on other teams. Frank Nilakina definitely you know. has a better career than Kevin Knox. Book it. Not that that's a hot take or anything like that, but I don't know. That's yeah, not I mean, hot at all. Right. It's that's, not hot that's at all. Two, but... two, two bum picks that we already have. Bum ass. I mean? like, <laughs> bum <whatever>. ass picks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It sucks. All right. I mean, that's pretty much it, though. I think we got it. Um, yeah. If we didn't go an hour 30, I feel like we could do last words, but it's a little too long. Um, I do have one more take. If there's a bet out there uh, for league leader in assist, Put the house on Trey Young. I forgot to say that before with the Hawks. It makes perfect sense. LeBron was the league leader in assists last year. Who knows his minutes this year? Now Trey Young's got a bunch of new toys in Atlanta. Danilo Gallinari, Clint Capella, little rim runner, John Collins, little rim runner. That's the pick. I don't know what the value is, but I'm gonna bet it if I find it. Trey Young will be leading the league in assists this year. That's what I got. Anything else? Anyone have anything else to say? You don't. You're not obligated to do last words, but if you have something, say it before. Speak now, forever speak your piece. As Coach Gluss now gets uh, two shout-outs in a row on the on the sports blog. Uh, oh wow, Subway Sports Talk podcast. 
Nah, man. All right. I'm good. There we go. Let's go. Ready for the season. I feel season. like after this pod, oh, I'm ready. Oh. I hope Let's all go, of your palates are moistened. We did not talk about mm. the Pelicans and Zion Williamson at all, by the way, which may be a mistake on our part, but that's okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. There's always next week. There's there. That is true. John Lucas Duffy, great job uh, driving our conversation today. Jay Lou, appreciate you. And for Andrew Duffy, for John Lucas Duffy, for Frank Villani and Kyle Anderson, I am P. Kennedy. This is Subway Sports Talk. Thank you so much for listening. If you like it, hit us on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk, T-A-L-K. On Twitter, Subway Sports Talk, T-L-K. And then just say what up. Be like, yo, nice job. I like I like you, the cut of your jib or whatever people say about that weird uh, phrase. Anyways, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>